Hi everyone. Hey. So <laughs> this week we're talking about the Goldfinch. Um, yes, one of our favorite books, honestly. Why one of our favorite authors? Like, let's just start with that mm-hmm. because um, we love Donna Tartt in this book and her other books. Um, so this will be really fun for us to talk about. But yes. um, to start, um, as we always do with our like introductions to the novel. Um, I actually didn't hear about it until the movie came out, but what ended up happening was I was a senior in high school when the movie was, like, coming out, when it was, um, I think it was announced before, like, a lot earlier than that, um, because it came out, like, shortly into that year, but... Mm-hmm. I vaguely was like aware of it and I was like oh that's kind of interesting I didn't know that much about it um it was in my like little circle though because at that time I was like very deep in the Finn Wolfhard like internet obsession I was one of those girls um right I was you know obsessed with Stranger Things it which also came out like the second one came out that year so that was yeah. you know a, a time for me but <laughs> what ended up happening was I started my senior year, I was in an AP literature class, and one of our big assignments was to read one of the books that had been on previous AP exams in preparation, just to get us ready, and then we did, like, a timed essay in class, yada, 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 Um, Mm -hmm. and I saw that that book was on the list, and I, like, it clicked in my brain, I was like, oh, that's, that movie's coming out soon, And I remember, like, seeing it, being like, oh, that's kind of cool. So I was like, okay, I'll read it. And then, you know, I'll go see the movie when it comes out. So Mm -hmm. that's what I did. I read it. I really liked it. Um, At this point in my life, I think I was, like, this was around the time I really started to get into, like, books and stuff. Like, the more serious books, I guess, because before it was kind of, like, the you know, the fun, you know, teenage girl books I guess like you could say (laughs) but um so I read it I really enjoyed it I wrote my little essay in class which also helped a lot with my understanding of it because um the one of the prompts was about like morally ambiguous characters Mm. um and whatnot and I you know in my head I was like oh like Boris would be a really great character to write about. I feel like you could even write about like Theo too, but like for some reason, write about any I was of these really, characters. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. I was really stuck on Boris, so that's what I did, and yeah. it really helped me understand a lot of the story more, at least where he was concerned. And I feel like he's very, you know, important to the story, of course. But um, then I saw the movie. I made my friend go with me. She didn't really know anything about it. I told her a little bit about it. And she was just mm-hmm. like, okay, whatever. She, you know, she's one of the people I can just drag around. She doesn't really care. Right. Um, so she read the book shortly after I made her see the movie. One, because I was at that point so obsessed with it. And two, because like she enjoyed the movie. Um, I enjoyed the movie to an extent, but you know, we'll get, we'll get into that later. So um, Erica, <laughs> your experience. <laughs> Wait, one question first. Had you did you read the secret history after that then? Because you read the Goldfinch. Had you not read the secret history? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know who Donna Tart was. I have okay. no idea. I had never heard of her. But then, um, of course, once I got obsessed with this book, 
um my obsessive nature led me down that like rabbit hole of like who is this author like what else has she written like I need to know all of this information right and so that's how you know I got to that point and of course you know we've talked about that book too that's one we both really love too so we'll probably never talk about it on here because it's not been adapted but there's our little um name drop I guess or a little cameo of it um so might mention like a few things about it just to have an excuse yeah talk about it yeah yeah but yeah I read this well I do remember the movie coming out I remember seeing the preview and thinking it looked interesting but I think I was also like that looks scary um (laughs) so I didn't watch it and I read the secret history first um and weirdly enough I didn't know that you liked it or read it which is strange I feel like I should have remembered that but I think I just saw it on TikTok um and I read it this past October so like October of 2022 and then I knew that she'd also written the goldfinch so then immediately after I read the goldfinch um and I listened to the audiobook first and then I like read the actual book um and I don't think it had as much of an impact on me the first time that I read or listened to it but then when I was rereading it for um this to like refresh it in my mind I was like oh my gosh this is so complex and honestly it's so much better the second time around which we'll probably talk about a little bit more because Mm -hmm. the suspense there's so many things it's just so much worse when you know what's going on (laughs) yeah yeah there are so many things you pick up on that like weren't there before and it makes the experience like so much like more nerve-wracking but also better (laughs) yeah so general overview, um, main character, Theodore Decker. Felt kind of weird calling him that, to be honest. But Theodore. <laughs> um, yeah, main character narrates the whole thing. Um, starts when he's 13 mm-hmm. and he's in trouble. He's got to go to the principal's office, but they take a detour, him and his mom, to the museum. They live in New York, so... Um, obviously there's much of that to see like art things like that there's so much culture around them um his mom is a huge you know lover of the arts and things like that so she with the extra time decides to stop in this museum they go see the painting they go see the goldfinch and Mm -hmm. she's showing it to him and she's explaining the significance of it the importance and kind of what it means to her and they're having this little bonding moment then all of a sudden boom an explosion a blast goes off Mm -hmm. and everything you know goes dark hazy Theo wakes up in smoke and gray and collapsed like rubble doesn't know what's going on um some stuff happens he manages to get out his mom doesn't make it which he doesn't find out till later Mm-hmm. um and that's basically where it starts we'll just we'll go from there you'll like if yeah you, i'm assuming most of you that listening you, to this have read it yeah. but if you haven't i'm sure you'll catch on as we talk about it but there's your general Hopefully. like overview of yeah. how it starts um but i mean so much of the book of course traces back to that event mm-hmm. zeo throughout the entire thing is constantly referring to 
capital letters before and after. Right. It's that's how everything is to him once this event occurs. Yeah. It's before when when his mom was still alive and after when she was gone. And this whole book takes place in the after pretty much. Um mm-hmm. so it really is just like the story of him dealing with that. And of course a bunch of other things happen, but really at the center of all of it yeah is his mother. It always yeah. comes back to that one way or another. So, I mean, that's her absence. Huge, yeah, that's such a huge part of his life and who he is now um, in the future. So. Yeah, and everything is him trying to come back to her in a way. And I think that's mm-hmm. seen most clearly through his later connection to Mrs. Barber. And, I mean, even his initial mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um where he tries to find a mother figure in her and tries mm-hmm. to find like a family in her family because he is not an orphan right away, but his they have no idea where his dad is. Like his dad mm-hmm. is not super reliable and like ran off and started a new life. So he's essentially just like got to stick it out for himself mm-hmm. and like find people to take care of him himself. And, like, it's interesting to me how he circles back to that. Like, of course, we know he ends up leaving the barbers. His dad comes back to town. He goes with him. And then everything changes, you know, like, more than Mm -hmm. it already has, of course. But he grows up. And by some, like, coincidence, fate, whatever, whatever it is, he becomes part of their lives again. Yeah. after years years of no contact and yeah. it's just interesting because in a way I feel like that represents how grief is a circle it's oh. a cycle and you never mm-hmm. you never get out of that cycle you know there's yeah. the stages of grief that you go through but what no one tells you is that you never escape those stages you never get past them yeah. you you it really just depends on where you're at in your life but one moment you could be totally fine accepted it all and the next you're just in denial all over again or angry Mm -hmm. at the world all over again like there's no telling when something like that can happen and I feel like him going back to the barbers as an adult was kind of like a regression Mm -hmm. definitely in that way and especially how he ended up in this loveless relationship with mm-hmm. Kitty and you know was going to was going to marry her just because it would make Mrs. Barber happy right um which of course no, that literally. didn't end up happening because of a bunch of other things but like yeah. you can tell when you're reading it too even before you know what's going to happen you can tell leading up to it that he's just his heart is not in it yeah but he's doing it because it feels, it doesn't feel right, but it, it feels like what he should do. Yeah. And, and because he, he wants the, he wants to make Mrs. Barber happy and he mm-hmm. wants to like give her peace of mind in dealing with her own grief. And like he kind of steps in in Andy's place and like becomes mm-hmm. her missing son 
because I, I think that's an important piece of the puzzle too is like yeah he's missing a mother and she's also missing a son and that's exactly the only time when they actually connect because the first time that he's there she's cold she's distant when mm-hmm. he leaves he expects her and wants her to do more to like hug him and be like oh I'm so sorry like we wanted to keep you but she's just like bye like yeah she keeps like this cold exterior the whole time they never really emotionally connect or bond when he's there as a kid and then when he comes back as an adult and Andy's dead Mrs. Barber is like oh like I always thought of you as my own son like we you know we had this connection and all of a sudden she's so attached to him in a way that she would not be if Andy was still alive she would probably be Mm -hmm. like oh like it's cool to see you again like glad you turned out well but Mm -hmm. the only reason why they're they have this relationship and why they're connecting at this level is because he's missing a mom and she's missing a son and like I texted this to you like kind of about um it was specifically about Toddy that I texted it to you about because Mm -hmm. when he goes to visit them he made like Theo in his narration makes a point to be like this is weird like why is he acting all chummy with me because this was never how it was when I was a kid we never had a relationship like that. Like, this doesn't make any sense. And, like, it's not just Toddy. It's all of them. They all yeah. do that. And it's strange because they never, like, especially the kids, the ones who are left, yeah, kids didn't want Toddy. him around Yeah, when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And even, like, yeah, like you said, like, Miss Barber willingly, yeah, took him in and helped him. But still, there was that distant, cold demeanor that made it, hard to like feel at home there but now she's like completely changed yeah her attitude and it's just strange how like welcoming they are to him now like it almost Mm -hmm. feels like a trap like in my mind I feel like if I saw that happen in real life I would be like that is so weird please don't walk into that because like something is going on here like I don't know it's just interesting yeah and with what you were talking about, the grief cycles, I think that's related to something else that we talked about earlier um, in our discussion. But just how, like, his life seems to cycle back to the same people. And he's in this mm-hmm. constant cycle of, like, romanticization. Like, Theo is nothing if not a romanticizer. Yeah. Like, this man Absolutely. is romanticizing every single thing in his life yet none of these times were actually good except arguably partially when he was in Vegas with Boris but even with that he does not remember things like Boris remembers Mm -hmm. them like Mm -hmm. first he's at the barbers for the first time and I mean he he would rather be there than with his dad and he Mm -hmm. wants to stay with them but he's not having a good time like he's going out of his way obviously he's grieving and he's going out of his way to fit in and like not cause any trouble like he knows at any moment he can get sent away mm-hmm. and then he goes to Vegas and he remembers it as like oh yeah you know we were just like having a good time we were getting drunk all the time or whatever and then when you see Boris come back later Boris is like you were trying to kill yourself like you were yeah like, sleeping yeah. in the street like I was saving your life every night like you were trying to overdose like you were so suicidal and Thea was like I don't remember that Like, Mm -hmm. even in how he records this event, it's, like, you don't, you don't see that in his version of it. Mm -hmm. And then when he goes back to New York and he sees Hobie again, 
then he reconnects with Hobie and you know we have the romanticization of Pippa which I'm sure we'll get into more because that's just Mm -hmm. so weird on so many levels (laughs) um and then the reconnection with the barbers and each time like when he goes back to Hobie he's like oh yeah Pip and I had this great connection which Mm -hmm. they did not he when he sees the barbers again um when he's older he's like oh the barbers like they loved me and I love them and we were all such a little happy family when they were not and Mm -hmm. it's just like this endless cycle of going back to people that used to be in his life and being like oh we used to have such a good time together like you know that was such a good time in my life when it it has never been a good time in that man's life Mm -hmm. ever like and I mean like the thing with Boris and how like that cycles back around too is like Mm -hmm. I always enjoyed those parts of the book so much more than the rest like obviously there's like so many interesting things to look at in like every part of this book yeah but like as you know like very well the relationship (laughs) between Boris and Theo like is so important to me yeah and like what you were talking about how about he keeps going back to these people who like he doesn't really belong with that he like made up this like fantasy about Mm -hmm. because like as much as he doesn't remember about Vegas it wasn't necessarily like fake either because like obviously elements of what he said was true he just left a lot out because like he couldn't remember because he was blackout drunk all the time which like obviously you know you can't really like we will never really get back that you know lost time except from what Boris has to say about it but what's interesting about that is that you know when you're reading this the parts where he's at the barbers or even like when he's with Hobie even though even though Hobie's is a lot more like of a warm environment Mm mm-hmm in both these instances, he doesn't really fit there. Like, he's an interloper. He doesn't belong there. Because, like, even though Hobie and Mrs. Yeah. Barber take him in, they don't... Like, he's still kind of on his own. Yeah. Even with his dad. Like, he was on his own. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But that's where, like, Boris never let him be on his own. Exactly. Except, except when he, like, started dating Coco, but that was a whole thing. Um, yeah. But, like... yeah. Boris himself was like I was trying to keep you alive yeah even though you didn't want to be I was trying to keep you alive I was trying to keep both of us alive and like yeah. no one ever really did that like they like exactly. people took care of him but only because they kind of felt like they had to yeah see that's the thing even though he his version of Vegas is different than what Boris remembers in the aspect of him being super depressed, that's true for all the other recollections as well. Just mm-hmm. no one was close enough to him and no one was trying to save him. Mm-hmm. Like, it, he could have been doing that stuff. I mean, obviously, he's, like, popping pills constantly at Hobie's and you get the sense that Hobie kind of knows and Pippa kind of knows and they both kind of know what's going on, but they don't intervene. Yeah, they... They stay out of a lot of stuff. Like, Hobie especially, because, like, obviously Pippa isn't there a whole lot. Yeah. She's doing her own thing, like, in a different country. But, like, Hobie, like, there's that whole thing about him constantly being, 
downstairs working on things while Mm -hmm. Theo runs business upstairs but like that applies to like just their relationship as well in Theo's life seriously there because like Theo just kind of like lives in his house and like you know helps him out but he's kind of just like his own like living his own life but yeah and they're friends of course like they care for each other deeply and I do love Hobie and their relationship Mm -hmm. but it's like there's such a clear contrast to like how Theo went about his life there versus how he went about it when he had someone like Boris and there's also like the age difference and mm -hmm. like Hobie feels like a parental obligation to take care of him Mm -hmm. in a way but without like fully being involved like once again just kind of definitely a better parent figure than his dad but like Mm -hmm. once again a semi-absent emotionally absent parental figure whereas Boris was someone his age who was taking care of him and not out of a parental obligation but Mm -hmm. just because he wanted to Boris was a constant like in so many ways like even when Theo went back to New York Boris was a constant Mm -hmm. in his life because there was that period of time where he thought Boris was gonna follow him and he was texting him every day checking on him being like are you okay are you okay and even after that when Theo gets the storage locker and Mm -hmm. he doesn't think twice I remember specifically when he bought the storage locker and the guy there was like pick your password combination write it on this piece of paper so you don't forget it and he immediately was like I already got it I don't need to write it down I'm fine and then you learn a lot later that the combination he picked was the last four digits of Boris's home phone yeah so like in in that way Boris was kind of always with him and even like we could talk about the moon thing that whole conversation about like what his mom told him about like whenever you feel lonely just look up because the moon is the same wherever you go like the moon is always Mm -hmm. there and of course how that whole scene where Boris is talking about how when he converted to Islam they they gave him a name meaning like it was like bright moon or something like that something about the moon I don't remember the full name so when they had that conversation like he even asked Boris later too he's like what does the moon look like in Indonesia or Russia or like wherever and Boris is like it's the same everywhere like just like his mom said and it's because Mm. Boris represents the moon very very clear cut that Boris represents the moon so Boris was always with him whether he was physically there or not in a way that no one else was and he even named like that entire chapter that um muslim name that they gave boris like they he the entire chapter was called that right so it's just it's interesting (laughs) and then of course the chapter two where boris comes back when they're adults is named Mm -hmm. the idiot which was like a like one of boris's favorite books and it's by um Dostoevsky who's like a Russian author so and of course like Theo taking Russian in college all that stuff like he constantly kept Boris with him like he made sure to do that 
And he made a, it a point to tell Boris that, too. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, you know, I took Russian in college because it made me feel closer to you. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, and I pointed this just... out, too. I just remembered this. I texted you this. When he reunites with the barbers and they're talking about Platt mentions Tom Cable and Theo's like, wow, I haven't thought of him in years when that <laughs> used to be his best friend. Yeah. But, like, just not long before this conversation, Thea went on a whole, like, like page-long, like, narration about how he thought about Boris every day, like, missed him. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. It's so interesting. And even, like, too, in Vegas, Hobie would send him letters and he would he just like stopped responding yeah. at one point like he just didn't keep up the correspondence yeah and it's like things like that like he purposely made a point to keep Boris around even though he like at one point hadn't spoken to him for years like once the time yeah. jump happens like he hadn't spoken to him for years but he was still there in like Theo's everyday mm-hmm. life we were having a similar discussion about how the painting represented um, Theo's heart and how that can also apply to Popchick. Um, but I think I sent you like two um, screenshots of like the text that that applied mm-hmm. to. Because mm-hmm. um, like he ends up having nightmares about like Popchick dying, mm-hmm. like related to the painting. And then when Boris comes back, like, him being like, oh, he still remembers me. Like, Popchick still remembers me. Like, you know how Theo has remembered him the whole time? Mm-hmm. And then the one that really got me um, was when it was talking about uh, how Theo, like, followed Hobie around during, like, those eight years that mm-hmm. we don't really see much of, where he was just kind of, like, following Hobie around um and he said like how pop chick used to follow Boris and I around Mm -hmm. and I don't know when I like I ended up put it like just searching for pop chick's name and then like looking at all the mentions them and almost all of them are like tied to Boris in some way Mm, that is interesting but yeah like what you were talking about like the one excerpt um about Theo being like making often and kind of like like I feel like he makes me look gay or whatever like this dog is gay right which like okay one thing like Theo makes like oh like it's subtle because like the book is so big and there's so much content but like I've noticed that he makes like an abnormal amount of like observations about like gay people mm-hmm. or like gay men specifically it's yeah. always gay men like he will make yeah. subtle subtle tiny observations and i'm like okay like that's just, that's interesting um but let me pull up the part where he's talking about how he like wished popper was like a cooler dog or whatever yeah. because that's what i was talking about because i was like it's so funny that he's like it's not that hold on i think i have it he says 
As much as I liked Popper and felt sorry for him, I'd never thought that as dogs went, he was particularly interesting or intelligent. Instead, I'd spent a lot of time wishing he was a cooler dog. <laughs> um, and then he names like a few breeds. And then he says, in fact, almost anything but what he actually was. A girl's dog, a toy, completely gay, a dog I felt embarrassed to walk on the street. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Bang. Yeah, and you know, when you, when you think about Popper as a metaphor for his heart and, like, himself, it, it becomes suddenly really sad. Yeah. What did I say? I said something about that earlier. Hold on. Because... It was the one, yeah, in response to the one where it was, like, how he's talking about, um, like, how he had those, like, nightmares of, like, where's Popchick? Where is he? Yeah. Um, In relation to, like, thinking he was, like, gone, thinking he died in relation to that idea of him wishing, like, he was something he's not. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, that's true. Where, yeah, it's like, he wishes that he was someone different, yet at the same time, he doesn't want his true identity to vanish. And when you think about that in relation to the painting, and when he's, like, when he realizes that he shouldn't have, like, kept it shut up this whole time, he's, like, he says something to the effect of, like, it's, it was so wrong of me to keep something that thrived off the light shut up in the dark for all these years mm-hmm. and then when you think about the fact that it wasn't actually shut up and that boris had it this whole time yeah when it's very clear that the the painting is like it like an extension of theo's heart because he's he took it in the first place because of his mom yeah because it was like his weird keepsake of her yeah and then I also thought this was interesting. If we're talking about the painting as, like, his heart, his self, um, rereading it this time, because I've read it, like, a couple of times. I read this book, like, three or four times. But (laughs) this time, I noticed how he kept saying in the beginning, he said it a few times later, but in the beginning, he kept being, like, I thought so many times about, like, telling Mrs. Barber or calling up Hobie and, and, and showing it to them, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Mm-hmm. but then he gets to Vegas and he unknowingly shows it to Boris yeah he does it like and obviously like he had to be the one to do it but he it was an unconscious decision mm-hmm. it was a hidden like moment like if that makes sense and then yeah like you said him thinking like he had it close to him that entire time. Him thinking he had kept it safe. Right. But Boris had actually had it for so many years. That's so good. If we're talking about his heart. Yeah, well, exactly. I just, you know, that's that's all I'm that's, saying. Like that's so good. Cause it really is like and it it's so much back to what we were saying about like how Boris was the one person he kept with him all the Mm -hmm. time and like how he didn't he couldn't make himself fit anywhere else and all of this and like yeah (laughs) yeah 
And if you, like you were saying how he took the painting as like a keepsake of his mom, but I also think it's significant that Welty was the one who mm-hmm. like pushed it on him mm-hmm. and was like, here, take this. Like, I don't think he would have like picked it up off the ground had Welty not insisted. Hold on. I saw something about that and I have it screenshotted. I need to go find it again, but it was really good because okay. it connected, it connected to that it connected to the whole thing with Boris and it connected with Welty. Right. Was it because like a connection to Hobie too? Like Yeah, okay. Okay. I found it. This is another Tumblr post. Um and it's like a few people added on to it. So it's like like multiple people kind of expanded on this thought. But I also like screenshotted this one like years ago. Um but it says, has anyone analyzed the fact that Hobie and Welty were very clearly together and that mm-hmm. Welty is the reason why Theo took the goldfinch? And then it says, a gay man told Theo to take his heart and he hid oh. it and ran away with it and kept it <gasps> hidden for years until Boris stole it and Theo still thought it was hidden. But really it was out in the world or at least oh. in the more hidden more hidden parts of the world because it was being used in crime rings. It was, it was undercover. It was a secret, but it's still out there. Theo's heart was given to him by a gay man and was stolen by another man who, that man, who took a bullet to give it back to him. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is so good. And And then then when you think about it, like, as his heart, and yeah, you think about how it was being used for all those years without him knowing, it would explain his mental states and his just constant deterioration hmm he yeah he's going through it like he is <laughs> the whole part where he's like i'm fine i'm normal like and he's like <laughs> what does he say he says like Doesn't a bunch say, of like, wrong things in a row like i've never um, indulged in self-pity or something yeah he's like i don't indulge in self-pity or negative <laughs> thoughts at all and i'm like what is this whole book then literally what are you talking about and he's like what else does he say he's just like i'm not stressed or like i (laughs) i'm fine and i'm like you are constantly in a heightened state of anxiety my guy um i don't know what you're talking about but yeah (laughs) okay literally he's so delusional like honestly i have to (laughs) applaud him for it because yeah i could reach that level of delusional (laughs) my god i know it's impressive. Yeah. Also, we talked about this, but this book is so anxiety-inducing. Especially if you've read it before. Exactly. Like, like Donna yeah. Tart is too good at creating her atmosphere of anxiety, because, like, the whole time, I was just on the edge of my seat, just... I felt like I had committed a crime. <laughs> I felt like I had committed art theft, like, I was going to go to jail, like it was it was very real to me like Mm -hmm. i it literally like i had to take a break and like cleanse my soul a little bit because it was literally genuinely making me anxious in my everyday life because at the back of my mind i was like i've stolen a painting (laughs) like no literally and it's like if i had to explain anxiety to someone who didn't like have anxiety or understand what it was i would use this as an example i would be like okay imagine that like you are constantly terrified that you're gonna get arrested police are gonna bang down your door for stealing some famous painting 
that you have never even seen in your life. Yeah. Like, you've never seen it. You've never touched it. You've never been anywhere near it. So why would that happen? Except you're constantly afraid of that happening. Yeah. That's what anxiety feels like. (laughs) And I don't know. It's just like... But with Theo, it's like, okay, he's actually in that situation. But at that point, it's like so... Like... I think you said this at one point. Because you were like, if that happened to me, I think I would just shut down at that point. Yeah. Because it's like, you already have the base level anxiety without that. But with that added on top of it, it's like, okay, this is real. Um, but I can't physically deal with this. Mm-hmm. I can't mentally handle this. I'm just going to shut down and, and block it out. And just... Which is what he numb to it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he does. So, I mean, I understand it. But also, I'm like, dude. Yeah. He's just always high or drunk. <sighs> The amount of times reading this book that I will just stop and be like, I need this kid to go to therapy. Yeah. Like, the amount of times I've said that is um, <laughs> atrocious, actually. It's it's really dire. Like, the amount of people that this man knows who died in, like, a 10-year span. Of, like, first his mom, then his dad. Yeah. Then he, he comes back to New York. Oh, my, my best friend is a child who took me in. And his father, who was, like, my you know, adopted father for a little bit. Oh, they're dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Then he kills someone, which is not his worst crime. <laughs> his worst crime is anything he's ever said about Pippa. Yeah, I agree. Like, I... Everything else he has ever done, like, I, I could give... I could not care less about... Um, yeah. Compared to his whole thing with Pippa. Yeah. Like, like that like, is just fucking weird. Honestly, I feel like everything else is justified. <laughs> like... <laughs> He's been through a lot, and like yeah, like I, I think he thinks the that he's a worse. Yeah, I think he thinks that he's a worse person than he is for everything except for Pippa. Like he mm-hmm. he deserves the worst. He literally deserves to go to jail specifically for his thoughts about Pippa. Like I was about to say, I feel like she should like, like she should be allowed to like smack him and like spit <laughs> on him. Yeah, but. He would like that. <laughs> he would. Like, I mean, like, he would like that. So maybe not. But, like, she, um, like, it's no wonder she left the fucking country. Like, I know, <laughs> I know in the story, like, that wasn't her choice. And she just ended up over there by chance. But, like, she stayed over there. She said, I'm a, yeah, I'm a not ever come back here I would with too. this freak. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because the thing is, his entire obsession with her is based on, like, one kiss and one conversation that they had while she was high on morphine. Yeah, and he admits that. Like, he, he does. recognizes that. And he also recognizes how much it has to do with his mother. Like, he yeah. freely admits these things. Yeah, he's pretty self-aware about it. But And even at one point, isn't he, like, doesn't he, like, admit, like, okay, I know I'm not in love with her. I just, like... Does yeah. he say something like that? I think so. Something like that. Because I, I didn't I didn't actually finish rereading it. I like have like a couple like I like 200 pages left. I think but, like, he admits that it, it's like an obsession related to his mom. Yeah. Because I remember I think, reading yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, well, I think it's like when he says the thing about the morphine lollipop, like I think mm-hmm. a section ends and he's like, I think all these years I've just been chasing the high from that morphine lollipop. Because mm-hmm. I was reading 
yesterday I was reading the part where he's talking about how she visited with her boyfriend and he was like literally like he was gonna bribe this man to like leave her <laughs> I life forgot about like, that. and like this whole thing it wasn't just that like just the way he was talking about her and like everything it literally shocked me like I read this book like three times and it shocked me I had to put my book down I was sitting here like wide-eyed like yeah jaw dropped I was like what something is so seriously wrong in his head because what no literally and I was sitting there and I was like I know he is not claiming to be in love with this girl because no one who is in love with someone would act that way like I can tell you I can tell you (laughs) if he was in love with her he would not fucking act that way that is just deep deep creepy obsession like what because he says like oh i she's not pretty like actually she's not pretty but we literally talked about this yeah (laughs) yeah but he's like but i find her pretty and i thought that i would be the only person on the planet that ever found her pretty i thought she'd be grateful like no, literally, like, if someone said that to me, I would punch them in the face. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, what is wrong with he you? He literally, he says that, like, she cut her bangs and he, like, snuck into her bathroom and, like, stole the pieces of her hair from the trash can. <laughs> like, like, and I can tell you, I have never felt compelled to do that. Yeah. I've never felt compelled to do anything like that. That is borderline me psychotic. Me what? Didn't he, I think he stole like her a shirt of hers? Yeah, from the and laundry he, like, too. Like, sniffing like, it, like what? That is stalker. Yeah, everything it's he says so about bad. her is so stalkerish, and I'm like, okay, like she didn't even remember you when you came back to New York. Yeah. Like that? Are you not embarrassed right now? Like literally. Oh, one. I I just feel so bad for her. But um, one thing that you mentioned that she said that was pretty funny was when they were talking about the school that she got sent to and he was like oh isn't that like a a school for like crazy people or whatever and she was like yeah but you know I'm just there because of my head injury I'm not like a shoplifter or anything yeah (laughs) like it's so funny and I'm like you're saying that to Theo of all people who literally spent spent like his years in Vegas like living off of shoplifting yeah and who's, it was, you know, a furniture fraud yeah. man and drug buyer slash... Well, I don't think he was ever a dealer, but... No, he wasn't. But, like, I... I just think, like... It's so funny, too. Not even just that she said that to Theo. Um, just that... That's where her brain went. Like, that was her first thought for of, that like, quote-unquote... Like- nuts people i'm like shoplifting like really that's it was the worst thing she could think of yeah (laughs) like like, theo should have been sent to that school like that just reminded me well something you said reminded me of like we should probably talk about the movie a little bit um yeah you know i have many grievances with it but we don't need to get into that um (laughs) maybe we should though i don't know but i was gonna rewatch it today but then i didn't i just was busy with other stuff um but I rewatched it like two weeks ago with my friend the same friend mm-hmm. who I dragged with me to see it when it came out in theaters <laughs> because I had mentioned that I was rereading it for this and she was like oh we should watch it because we were having a sleepover so we watched it and you know I had some observations during it I didn't pay that much attention because I was tired and I also you yeah. know that movie just 
gives me like I don't know like it I feel like I'm being dragged like slogged through something like I like I sorry but why did they choose to tell it in the order that they did it was so confusing for no reason like I don't know. If you had not read the book, you'd have no clue what was going on because they told it completely out of order. They, in yeah. like this really weird way. What I was gonna say though is because you mentioned the thing about like you said something about like Theo buying drugs. Um, yeah. And I remember one thing I noticed this time around in the movie was that um, this was right after Theo like finds Kitsy cheating on him, and he goes. Like, he's trying to find, like, drugs. Like, he's looking for a high because he needs, like, he just needs something in that moment. And what does he find when he walks out of the shop? Boris. Boris. That's when he sees Boris for the first time again. And Boris is like, Potter. Like, I just, I don't know. I never thought about that before. And that scene really got me this time. Because I was like, wait. Like, he went looking for, like, something that would you know he went looking for a high but and he found one just not in the form that he expected <laughs> but oh. that was just that's one thing about the movie that i thought was interesting that i hadn't yeah. noticed before but i did like the boris theo aged up scenes in the movie mm-hmm. i did feel like they did that justice and also what you were saying about him, Boris, being a high to him, it's interesting because I know we've talked about the contrast between New York City and you have talked a lot about how New York City, it's um, like he's just super like in a haze in it and then he goes to Vegas and it's like everything is like, there. I don't know, there's still a haziness to it because they're like drugged all the time, but but it's more real at the same time. Yeah. I mean, what I was like, I mean, a lot of what I was thinking about was like how New York, when I'm reading those parts, at least was very, it was like gray and dull. And there's Mm -hmm. even a lot of times where he's talking about like times when he would like leave Hobie's and he would, he's like sleepy. Like he would make a point to talk about how he was sleepy or like, like, lulled or whatever like like any number of things related to that and then of course you have the whole thing with the morphine lollipop Mm -hmm. but everything in vegas was brighter one of the first things he says getting off the plane is that like the glare from like the sun in the airport was like irritating him it was waking him up from like the sleep he was yeah. in on the plane or the delirium because it wasn't really sleep he was in a delirium on the plane and then drugged him <laughs> yeah but and from that point he's like always talking about how bright things are there and like you even have that scene like really close to when he leaves vegas where they're tripping on acid mm-hmm. and he's talking about how things are so black and white but the moment they both like look at each other and are like oh like we can they have that moment in their heads where they're like, we're connected right now. We can do whatever we want. And then everything becomes yeah. bright. Everything becomes colorful. Yeah. But yeah, there's that whole thing of like Boris being a high where everything else is like the opposite of that. Because yeah. like like I said, with the morphine lollipop and he always describes Kitsy as like cold too. Mm-hmm. 
which is so interesting but yeah um i don't know what the original point of what i was saying was but (laughs) i don't even remember either that does remind me though about something that i noticed um when in the flash forward scene is that when theo is reflecting on vegas he refers a lot to them to to like his childhood he's like back when i was a child in vegas or like back when when boris was a child in vegas i just Mm -hmm. thought that was really interesting because even though yes they were children and i think it's good that he wrecked that point um i also don't think i would describe them as children nor would i really describe like myself past 14 as Mm -hmm. my childhood like, mm-hmm. I feel like if he was, like, reminiscing on childhood, especially because of the drastic before and after, like, childhood would be, like, with his mother. And, like, mm-hmm. once his mother died, like, there would be no childhood after that. And mm-hmm. yet he was still able to find that through Boris, who was almost 18 by the time he left, I think. He was in, like, his late teens. So it was just interesting when he'd refer. And he'd be saying something that was, like, such, like, an oxymoron, like, that just sounded so strange. He'd be like, back when Boris was a child, he would, like drink a t- shit ton of alcohol and like we no, literally like, and- <laughs> yeah they were like 14 15 just doing like drugs every day yeah mixing it with like liquor like you know yeah. like it's like okay those aren't things that kids do um which was yeah. also funny i mentioned this to you there's mm-hmm. a scene where theo's back in new york and he like walks into like this like like little deli or something that has like a bar it's like a restaurant with a bar and he's like man I really want a beer right now and then he's like in his head he's like it's so hard adjusting back to this it's so strange and I'm like that's not the strange part yeah I was like um that's actually normal um (laughs) 15 year olds don't yeah tend to drink hard liquor and get high every day but you know yeah okay didn't he call it like he compared it to like going back to crayons in kindergarten yeah yeah i was like all right sure (laughs) let's go with that yeah okay it's just because we never really hear him refer to his life before the accident much unless it's in relation to andy like he Mm -hmm. will talk about like him and andy going to the park and stuff but like you never really hear about much before the accident. So I just think it's interesting that in his brain, childhood is not, like, actual childhood mm-hmm. pre-accident. It's, like, being with Boris in Vegas, getting drunk mm-hmm. and high all the time. Yeah. Because it's almost like, I mean, like that time ahead. doesn't even, like, exist anymore. Yeah. Which is, like, that also kind of explains why that's the one thing he, like grasps onto Mm -hmm. when he's not with Boris anymore because like I guess he convinced himself that that was like the most quote-unquote childhood he was ever gonna get yeah and so that's why things like Boris's home phone number and like taking Mm -hmm. Russian like he was grasping onto that the same way he kind of grasped on to his mother in other ways because like with the barbers and his dad it was like he was kind of forced to be like grow up too fast a little bit but like he got to do the fun things not like the kid things i'm not gonna say the kid things because they were not they were not like child activities but like the fun things 
or at least yeah. what he deemed fun like he got to do those things with Boris which like again he couldn't do once he got back to New York either mm-hmm. but yeah, um, that's true yeah another thing oh. I wanted to mention about the movie though that I was mm-hmm. thinking about was um when Theo like has his like dramatic uh I'm gonna kill myself moment and like tries to overdose but like Boris oh, yeah. rescues him like that doesn't happen in the book yeah that's true. like that didn't he's happen just in the book. by himself right yeah. in the book um so I do like that addition because yeah. again that really emphasizes everything Boris tells him later about how like mm-hmm. I was trying to save you from yourself and no one yeah. else was ever doing that like yeah me of how in the daisy jones show they chose to have mm-hmm. billy yep. find daisy in the shower yep which didn't happen that's in the exactly book. what i was thinking yeah, yeah. <laughs> um no that's such a good I really point like that. yeah i did like there were a lot of things um of course in the movie that i was like especially that part the end part where i was like what the fuck is going on because there was a lot that just wasn't there like it was so fast and like yeah they took so many things out and I was like okay sure but that was a really good like central like part of that whole sequence that I was like okay I like this um yeah there were a lot of things that I would have liked to see though from that part of the book that just did not happen (laughs) but it's fine I guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah also circling back to Hobie really quick I did want to, like, briefly mention Hobie compared to Julian from The Secret History, because we talked Mm -hmm. about that Mm -hmm. for a second. And I don't know why, but just while I was reading it, I was like, it's so interesting to think about how, because these are both kind of, like, father figures or, like, parental figures in the, you know, in The Secret History in the Greek class and then um, in The Goldfinch for Theo. Um, And yet there, there are... The more I thought about it, the more I realized that there are a lot of similarities between the two of them and that they're both kind of morally gray. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, obviously Julian is kind of vaguely aware of what they're doing. And then when he finds out that they killed Bunny, well, Julian isn't even morally gray, honestly. He's he's just kind of (laughs) black, like, at that point. Like, he realizes (laughs) that they killed Bunny and he just flees. No, literally, he's like, I'm out of here. Um, I'm not Um, dealing with this. Yeah. And he's obviously, like, such a disappointment to them Mm -hmm. because they kind of, um, Richard especially kind of realizes that his character wasn't as true as he made it out to be or he didn't really live by the principles that he was spouting because it, it almost would have been more relieving to Richard if he had told on them and if he'd been like I'm going to the authorities mm-hmm. or if he'd gone in the other direction and been like ew it's okay guys I'm sure like you had a good reason but just the fact that he just like fled it was just showed like such cowardice that it was just so disappointing mm-hmm. to Richard Um, and with Hobie you do see some of that moral grayness in how he reacts to finding out about what Theo's been doing with the furniture the first time around when Theo's yeah. still kind of lying a little bit because I just read that earlier. Yeah. 
because he is disappointed in him and he is like horrified he's like Mm -hmm. you know we live by our reputation like if one person finds out like this is going to be really bad but he's also like part of me kind of almost wants to congratulate you because like, yeah he's it's like, kind of impressive that you pulled yeah. this off <laughs> mm-hmm. and then when theo comes back from amsterdam and hobie like figures out i feel like that that's when hobie has like his moment of really being better than julian i mean mm-hmm. i think overall he is obviously um i mean just the fact in the first scene yeah that like he even like cared enough to be like, well, how are we gonna fix this? Like, I yeah. can't believe you did this and like telling like where where Julian just just Fled. dropped everything. Like he didn't yeah. even care enough to like you know like even just that. But like you know, go on with what you were gonna say because I agree. Just like I kind of know what you're gonna yeah. say. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But I feel like, yeah, he has, in the first scene, he has that moment of, like, comforting Theo and being there for him and mm-hmm. maybe not being as disappointed as he technically should have been and as Theo was expecting. Um, but then when Theo comes back from Amsterdam, I feel like he, Hobie has, like, his moral redemption moment, if that makes sense, where he's like, you can't give Pippa a several like a thirty thousand dollar necklace that's inappropriate she has a boyfriend like Mm -hmm. you stole this painting why did you do that why didn't you tell me you've just been carrying it around for years and he's like rightfully righteously angry about it yeah is being like real with the and like holding him accountable for the first time which he's like never really done which has kind of been like even though he's not really his parent it's kind of been Mm -hmm. like lax parenting on his part Mm -hmm. it's kind of the thing where it's like if you don't discipline your kids you're actually like fucking them up Mm-hmm. but yeah that that was kind of my whole thing mm-hmm. yeah I mean yeah it's interesting <laughs> as as you summarized homie is like Julian if he slayed <laughs> yeah it's true I don't know what to say <laughs> like that's that's pretty much that's how that's I would it. yeah <laughs> Also, Hobie was not old enough in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I pictured him being older, and then he opened the door, and I was like, this is, like, a 35-year-old man. <laughs> like, like, yeah, because in... And, like, that's another thing, too, because, like, in the movie, Walty was pretty old. Yeah. And so exactly. I was like, this I, I doesn't make them being, that like, like, 20 years apart. Especially because of that whole idea that, like, a lot of people have seemed to pick up on where they were, like, together. Like, which you can see hints of throughout the book and, like, things like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, so they just fudged that. Yeah. Because, yeah, I was picturing Welty as, like, 80-ish and and Hobie as, like, 60-ish, like, at the start of the book. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, he'd probably be like closer to his 70s um by the time the time jump happens mm-hmm. but yeah that, that did not make sense yeah also time what's his face be being theo did not help him yeah <laughs> yeah um what's his name ansel ansel elgort oh, yeah i can't stand that man anyway oh <laughs> that really did not help 
<laughs> I just wanted to punch him the whole time. Yeah. Like, I felt zero sympathy for movie Theo. Because he, he also just had such, like, a punchable crying face. Like, every time you went to cry, I was like, I literally want to kick you. <laughs> like, like, I just, okay, as a person, I can't stand Ansel Elgort. But, yeah. like, when he, like, as an actor, too, in that movie, I was like, do something. <laughs> Anything. Literally. Like, please. Yeah, I mean, Pippa's, like, young actor was giving us nothing, too. <laughs> like, she literally said every line, like, the same. Which, honestly, if we're seeing her from Theo's perspective, then that's probably pretty accurate. You know what? That's a good point. That's a good point. Because, <laughs> like, he knew nothing about this girl, honestly. And he just acted. He clung to, like, weird little details and pretended like he knew a lot about her. But actually, he knew nothing about, like, her real deep-down emotions. Because we talked about this when he, like, went to see a movie with her. And he didn't think about the fact that seeing a movie about a musician would be emotionally upsetting to her. Since yeah. she had to give up her dream of being a musician. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude. But, like... Now that you mentioned that, I didn't think about that. But, like, okay, one thing, too, about the movie. It's, like, with a book like this, it's hard to make it into a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because um, it's such a long book. There's so much, like, there's not enough. You can't condense it all into a movie. But also because, like, it's a first-person narrated book, which is hard to do. Yeah. On the screen. And, like, there were some, like, voiceovers, but, like, they were very few and far between and, like, kind of mm-hmm. random. Yeah. And it's, like, there's so much in the book. Like, there's so much you miss out on if without, like, all of the narration Theo does in the book. Yeah. But, like, the other thing I was going to say is that, like, you were saying, like, a lot of it was just so, like, it was, like, looking at someone's face who was, like, you know, staring off in the distance, trying to, like, snap in their face to get their attention, and it's not working. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like so many, like, even Nicole Kidman, like, phenomenal woman. Yeah. As Mrs. Barber was just like, hey, hey, like, like, where where are you at right now? Like, it's yeah. so weird. And it just, like, so much of that movie was just so dull because of that. Yeah. Like, but, like, again... I think the point you made about this all being from Theo's perspective is a good point. I don't know if they did that. I honestly... I don't think they did. Don't think they did that on purpose. But, like, if you think about it from that perspective and there's all that dullness, it goes back to what I kept saying about the book and, like, the dullness Mm -hmm. of it all versus Boris. Because I feel like in the movie, the the only really parts of it that were, like, lively were Boris. Yeah. Like, everything exactly. else was just, like, a brick wall. Really? <laughs> so Finn was, like, the perfect Boris, but I will say that kid cannot do a Russian accent. Oh, the accent is so bad. But, like... It's so bad. Like, adult Boris is fine. And, like, when I was listening to the audiobook, like, the audiobook narrator had it down. And I mm-hmm. think I just had really high standards because of that. And when I watched the movie, I was like... You can so he he just drops the accent like every other word like I know. so bad but he is a good Boris in every other aspect. Mm-hmm. But like 
yeah, I think I said this to you. Like, he talks in the Russian accent the same way I do. Yeah. Because, like, I, you know, for those of you listening, I have been learning Russian. Is it um, because of this? Actually, it was part of the reason. Yes, because <laughs> I had to pick a language when I started college, when I was, like, registering for my classes, and I was still kind of in my in the thick of my obsession with this there were other there were other you know it wasn't just that but yeah you know that was the language I I chose um also because I like hard languages I've never attempted to learn an easy language in my life in high school I took (laughs) Mandarin I studied Mandarin for like three or four years um and then I was like Russian hell yeah like I don't and then I did ancient Greek for a couple of years I can't yeah I can't do simple languages. I don't know what it is. But, like, he does the Russian accent the way I do. Like, it's good sometimes. Like, every, like, few words, it's like, okay, you got it. But then the rest of the time, it's just a sloppy mess. Like, I'm trying. But, like, I just, it's, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I do my, like, little Duolingo lessons in my room, you know, over the summer to keep up. Um, and it's just, it's embarrassing to see, I'm (laughs) sure, but it's fine. But yeah, I feel like you usually are of the opinion that like, um, movie or TV show adaptations don't have to stick completely true to the book and like that there can be just as much merit in that adaptation as in the original book. But I think we could both agree this is my exception yeah this is is, i can't this is a textbook the book was better like yeah absolutely like (laughs) i just i can't do it like i love i love the fact that like this is one thing i do love about um having a book adapted is that you can get proper edits of it that's true because like a lot of the time like watching edits of books is like there's random like it's either like random pinterest couples <laughs> that people put into edits or it's like fan art but i like and like i like fan art but i really like having like yeah the the ability to see like the real thing you know like i don't know yeah <laughs> i don't know how to make that to word that and, but like and we made you some know edits I mean. didn't we lexi we did we'll probably post them <laughs> on our tiktok um they're okay we're both amateurs we we yeah. tried we were was... we were bored we were just like let's try it so yeah this is my first edit so <laughs> um, i'm pretty yeah. proud of it i spent like two hours on it. <laughs> so yeah we'll probably post them i don't know if any of you guys have seen our tiktok i'm sure you have but like yeah i'm sure most of you listening to this came from our tiktok honestly yeah, because the rest of you were just you would, but... unless you know us. Yeah, so we'll post them there probably. Um, if you mm-hmm. manage to guess what we were doing from from our hints, um, brownie points to you. Sorry, yes. we don't have a better prize, but um, <laughs> there you go. Maybe in the future. Um, no one commented yet. We're gonna yeah. post. We're gonna post one more hint after we record this, mm-hmm. um, and before we upload it. But if anyone comments, maybe we'll, like, shout them out in future yeah. episodes. Because we're yeah. going to continue doing this with the, mm-hmm. the hints. But, yeah. So. 
Well, this this was a good one. We were so excited because we, I know that you were already crazy about this, but I feel like you indoctrinated me mm-hmm. into like, um, just having a crazy aura about this. I looked like an insane person constantly in my room. Yeah. Like, you know <laughs> that picture from "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" of <laughs> of Charlie in the mail room with like the cigarette in his hand and the crazy look in his eye and all of the like the red string on the board like that's me in my room every single day reading this book um so I received so many voice messages so many just crazy just from this and I started putting them on two times speed (laughs) and she just sounded so funny on two times speed yeah it was amazing um so yeah (laughs) there's probably so much more i could say given the time and the um you know like ability to gather my thoughts better yeah i'm just kind of going with the flow here spitting out what i think as i think it what makes sense um yeah but you know like with all of these episodes, there's always more I could say. I always mm-hmm. have so much to say. Yeah. Anytime I think I'm done, oh, there nope. comes something else. Like, <laughs> it's always, you know, so. Because I, I do always, you know, after we film these, feel like there's things we missed out on. Like, I'll start thinking about it. Like, when I'm editing the clips, I'm like, oh, we could have talked about something else here. Or even I'll just be mm-hmm. sitting in my bed and I'm like damn we missed that one or something and it's like always there's always something but it's like well we can't we can't be here for like five hours so yeah I mean there's just gonna have to be things that are left out (laughs) Mm -hmm. hopefully we hit the big ones yeah yes we'll talk to you guys later I hope you enjoyed Mm -hmm. yeah thanks for listening um Bye. We'll see you later. We'll see you in a couple weeks.